Greetings, troubled a return to Haven listeners. This is your host with the most, though I hate to boast, Rich French. And what you are accessing now is a small segment from our companion series, Troubled with Extra Syrup, which you can listen to on our second tier level on Patreon. Enjoy. Take a seat at the Grey Goal and get your pancakes ready because Troubled with Extra Syrup is here to fill that craving for more Haven-related content. There's just so much to talk about and we wanted to make sure that we cover material that may be outside the episode. So we'll be covering anything that might pertain to Haven, Stephen King, Sci-Fi Channel, maybe do a travel blog up to Maine, whatever. That's the Extra Syrup. I'm your first host, Alex French. And I'm your co-host, Rich French. (laughs) And we'll... uh, be covering the Colorado Kid, the novella that Haven is based off of. I thought we'd start with talking about the imprint it was released under, Hard Case Crime. Uh, the imprint started in 2004, and the Colorado Kid was released in 2005. And to this day, it is still the highest-selling book in the Hard Case Crime imprints. Uh, Stephen King would write another book for the imprint called Joyland that came out in 2013. And uh, they still release books today. They've been doing... Also, I've seen... Some graphic novels by a writer you would like a lot. Uh, Max Allen Collins, the guy who wrote Road to Perdition. Oh, that is quite uh, appealing there. Uh, Speaking of hard case crime, King's got a new one scheduled to come out in 2021. Oh, yeah? What's it called? Later. (laughs) That's Mm. what it's called. Later it'll be titled or later? That's actually the title, Later. That's what they have as the title is <laughs> later, uh, you know, because I'm looking at his bibliography and it, it says 2021 title later, hard case crime is the publishing. I think his next book will be called to be determined or to be think, announced. You don't, you don't think it's called later. I'm just saying he has a, I'm, assu- I'm guessing now he's got a new trilogy coming out called uh, to be announced, then to be determined. And then his final one is to be concluded. It's a trilogy. Uh, there was a little story in my version of the book. I had got the newer illustrated paperback copy. I think I read it was one of only two Stephen King books to ever be only paperback, not hardback at all, uh, hardcover. Uh, I don't know what the second one is. It didn't say. In mine, it had a nice little intro by the founder of Hard Case Crime, Charles Arday. Um, he talked a bit about it, how they kind of just wrote Stephen King a letter and to ask him, I think just for like a intro or a forward for one of their books or like some of their series. But then King actually came back with like a, hey, I got a novella I actually want to release, which was more than they ever hoped for. I think it turned out pretty good for Hard Case Crime considering, you know, Colorado Kid's the best selling. And I don't know how Joyland did in sales, but I'd imagine it's pretty good just based off of the King name alone, you know. Oh, most definitely. I mean, I'll admit this is the first of uh, the hard case crime novels I've read. I'm not, you know, but because uh, yeah, the Mercedes case, that wasn't, that wasn't hard case crime, was it? No, no. Mercedes shows no. not. He's only got so far Colorado Kid and Joyland is only hard case crime. Right. Do you like kind of what hard case crime offers and is uh, at least in theory and uh, like trying to kind of bring back those dime store crime novels and like pulpy stories with like the pinup art uh you know i think it's uh i think it's cool for you know some people but i'll be honest with you it's not even my generation 
Yeah. We, we didn't grow up uh, really reading, you know, like the hard crime novels and that sort of thing. And I'm not a big, I'm not a big crime novel guy. You know, I don't want to read about the, the next great heist. Or what something. about forensic files? You big forensic files fan? Nope, nope, nope. But <laughs> uh, your, uh, your grandma was, she liked that. And Joey's mom, oh man, before she passed. And my mother. Yeah, your mom, so all moms love forensic files because all moms think everybody outside of their family is trying to kill everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your mom used to get mad when you would leave the blinds open in your in-ground basement bedroom because if the blinds are open, someone could see you climb down there and rape you. That's what she thought. Yeah, she read a lot of Stephen King. She read a lot of hard case crime novels. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think like there's like a. Even though obviously it's not even, it's not my generation because obviously I'm after you. You're Gen X, I'm Gen, Gen Y, millennials. I think there is like a cool nostalgia for this type of thing. But yeah, I can't imagine. There's so many books in the world. And there's so many like books that are on my list of like, oh, I got to fucking get to this. And I don't read enough as it is that I can't imagine for me is not uh, as avid of a reader as I should be. You know, I have to kind of pick and choose like, okay, you know, I don't read a ton of books in a year. So I need to kind of make sure the ones I choose are like ones I I'm, I have very high hopes for. So I think for people who read more, it might be right. desirable to kind of well, return I, to that old school model and nostalgia. Yes. Uh, someone like your mom, I could see her liking something like this. Some, someone mm-hmm. who tears through, you know, at least one, if not two books a week. I mean, uh, if she's still yeah. doing it at that, at that pace, I don't know. But for me, like later, it, if that's what it is and truly called, I probably won't read it. I probably won't buy it because I'm, I don't want a mystery. I mean, uh, if it weren't for Haven, I wouldn't have read the Colorado kid, to be honest with you. That's just, that's just me. I mean, I have elevation, uh, a book he put out in 2018. I still haven't read it. Sleeping beauties. The ones he did with all, he did with Owen, oh, his son. I got it. I haven't read it. Cause I've read some negative feedback that made me say, Hey, Mount and I push, push it down the line a little bit, but I'll <laughs> definitely read it for sure. Cause it's King. I, you know, I read all of this stuff. I don't have the Institute. That was his book from uh, 19. I've, uh, mm-hmm. I've heard uh, it's very good. I think they're already turning into a movie or TV show. I'll definitely get it. I, I just missed it. Feel bad that I missed it. I owe it to Steven to uh, read all of his, read all of his books. What are you, are you reading something right now? Uh, I am not. I, I am. I am not. I need to be. I was just chastising myself. I was looking at my, uh, I, I think I'm going to read Elevation next. It's a pretty quick read. <laughs> then, then I'll be able to talk about that on, uh, with our podcast as well. Yeah, I'm reading Gunslinger now. I had started. Book one goes, uh, goes, pretty, goes pretty quickly. Well, yeah, and... I read, I read uh, the first two and a half a long time ago. So first, what's really interesting, actually, before we get into Colorado Kid with Gunslinger, I was talking to a friend recently who had read, or no, it was a couple years ago we talked about it. I read Gunslinger back in the versions of the book you had you know that's the version I read and then I was talking to him and I, he was like yeah you know the gunslinger is just such a good book and the drawing of the three you know it's good but not as good and I was like what the fuck what are you talking about I was like gunslinger is boring as shit like it nothing yeah. really happens I was like drawing of the three is awesome and he's like what are you talking about and he's talking about these scenes I don't like know what he's saying and then recently when I was I've started the gunslinger on Kindle again in the forward King talks a lot about uh, after the release of the final book Dark Tower you know part eight that he went back and re kind of did gunslinger 
Slinger and changed a bunch of stuff. Or like, I guess I think reinserted some scenes that got cut, you know, edited the original time and took out like some stuff, took out a lot of his adverbs because he fucking hates adverbs and Gunslinger being one of his earliest books. He included a ton, you know, he didn't like the way he described everything and felt like it, sl- it slogged the book down and made it more boring. So now he's streamlined it. I, th- I say now, this was like 15 years ago. He streamlined it and changed it. So it explains your copy that I read of Gunslinger was from like 2000 or 2001 or something. So before the change, now that I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember these parts. And now I finally get what that my friend was talking about when he was saying that he liked Gunslinger a lot. So turns out the original Gunslinger is pretty different than not pretty different, but semi different than what we remember. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that, you know, be honest, not a fan of doing that. That That's the book series I fell in love with. But you know, maybe, maybe it's a way to try to get me to reread it. But uh, do a, a, a reread podcast. Yeah, I guess it's it's tough because you have situations like George Lucas touching the original trilogy, which was all mistakes, not I can't think of a single thing that he changed. And I'm like, well, it's an improvement. All of it's bad versus this where Sometimes if it turns out for the better, then it's hard to judge. Ultimately, I guess it's if you can still find copies of the original, then I'm okay with it. Or if it's still available, there's versions for both. Whereas like Star Wars, George is like, oh, I lost the original print. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Oh, you know, and it's like, fuck you. You lost the original print. Fuck off. Uh, It's up there at Skywalker Ranch somewhere, probably in his bedroom. That you're telling me, you know, with all the resources at Disney, you couldn't like figure out a remastering system and like figure it out. Fuck off. You just don't want, you don't want us to challenge, which it's also his creation as an artist. So once again, it gets into complicated territory, I think, with the relationship between creator and fans and commercializing art. So to kind of get into, let's just summarize the book real quick. So for those that haven't read it, kind of know what we're talking about. The book is just, or the novella is just based around a writer from the Boston Globe showing up to a place called Moose Lookit Island in Maine, right? And he's uh, investigating mysteries. He's putting a little list of mysteries. You know, the articles you've seen, top 10 mysteries, the Northeast, stuff like that. Local mysteries from around New England. Yeah. And so he's interviewing two guys who work at a newspaper, uh, Vince and Dave, uh, not brothers, like in the show. Nope. But uh, Vince, I think his name is Vince Teagues and uh, Dave Bowie. 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 (laughs) Uh, So he's kind of talking to them about some mysteries, you know, and they kind of, you know, talk about ghost lights and all the other, you know, shit everyone's heard a thousand times, but they don't tell them about the big mystery of Maine, of Moose Lookit Island, which is the case of the Colorado kid. Instead, they tell uh, their junior kind of assistant who's doing an internship up there, Steffi, about the mystery. And that's kind of, that's the framing of the novella is it's them telling her the case. So everything we're seeing about the case is through, the entire book is literally them telling her, not flash, not true flashbacks. Right. It's, you know, I'd say it's a lot more Vince, but Dave plays, you know, he he takes over at parts in the story as well. Right. Because, Vince was definitely, you know, um, McGruff the crime dog in this one. <laughs> he's not just checking girls out at the boutique as they change dresses. This time he's uh, actually investigating some crimes. Right. And, and Vince is 90 years old and Dave is 65. So it's a little different where in Haven they're both uh, about the same age. Yeah, if they were brothers, that would be quite the age gap. I would be very interested to figure out what happened with their parents. Oh, I was going to mention that uh, your grandma was born uh, at 40 years old. Her, her mom, my... She was born at 40? My, yeah, my, my mom wasn't born at 40. My, <laughs> my grandma was 40 when my mom was born, Yeah, you know, which is pretty weird. But it's explained she was married to someone else and got divorced, and he, he died. She was a widow, mm. remarried, you know, in her late 30s. Was the guy younger or like her age? 
age. He was like her age. Yeah. Okay. They just wanted their own kid. Yeah. Alex. It was his mm-hmm. name. All comes full circle. Full circle. Should have named me David Bowie. I don't know what you were thank, thinking. Thank God. Yeah. I, uh, oh, my Lord. Let's keep continue before I have a, you know, as your, <laughs> gra- your grammar would say, I have a conniption over David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So they're just kind of explaining this mystery. It starts off with uh, two teenagers who jog a lot. Um, you know, they're jogging through Moose Lookout Island. They go to the beach and basically find this dead guy on the beach sitting against uh, a trash can or wastebasket. You know, they call the cops. The guy who finds the body will eventually become mayor of the town, right? Yep, he becomes mayor, but uh, the couple don't stay together. Yeah, too bad. High school sweethearts. Doesn't always work out. So they call down Chief Warnos, uh, one of our few crossover characters from the TV show. I guess maybe just conceptually a crossover. Uh, they call the doctor for the town and uh, Vince, who's a Vince. more spry reporter and a ripe Modi B. A ripe, like, 70 years old or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Uh, He's very spry for his age. So they kind of, like, look into the body, see what's going on. It's a dude in a suit, and they find what the cause of death is asphyxiation on a piece of steak. Right, Um, and he doesn't have the suit jacket on. There's a bunch of other little mysterious things on him. Like, there's a Russian coin in his pocket. Nobody knows how that got there. Uh, He has a pack of cigarettes. Uh, Is there one missing? Is that all? One missing. That kind of becomes a focal point of the mystery because one of the guys that's just doing a small, you know, in law enforcement, was he a detective or FBI or something? Oh, uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was doing an internship with, uh, and he was assigned to two kind of bumbling state detectives that weren't, yeah. you know, weren't very thorough and didn't really care about, care about the case at all. And he's the one who kind of uh, opens the door to for Vincent gets him enough information where he can eventually start piecing things together. Well, cause he, uh, he looked in the evidence bag, even though he was instructed not to, and then he saw something that reminded him. Right. Which had. is, well, let's just say it now. It's uh, the cigarette yeah. stamp. So he finds on the bottom of the cigarette, there's a cigarette stamp and uh, each state has a very specific stamp or like quality of stamp. So in Maine, it's completely different from the stamp that they find on the cigarettes, which turns out to be from Colorado, hence which we, the name, the Colorado, the Colorado kid. kid, which we both know, except for I, I never bought a pack of cigarettes in Colorado all the years we lived there. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever bought a pack of cigarettes. I've bought cigarettes for like coworkers, but I, you know, didn't really like inspect the case or anything. Just yeah, got it so for them. I have no idea what the Colorado cigarette <laughs> stamp looks like. So that's how they kind of figure out that he's from Colorado. So once again, this is all framed through Vince telling Steffi. So a lot of this information is kind of like a cat and mouse as he's revealing bits of information and Steffi's asking, you know, and they're kind of pressuring her to ask the right question to kind of train her to be a good reporter. Right, because their hope is for her after she graduates to come back and uh, work at the newspaper. Right, they've, you know, she's snake to hopefully she gets snake bit with the mystery of the Colorado kid and decides to stay. You know, they figure out this information that he's uh, James Cogan, right? James Cogan of Nederland, Colorado. Nederland, Colorado. Yeah, uh, we we know Netherland quite well. And, I don't know Netherland quite well. Yeah. We've, we're from Colorado, but I mostly spent my time in Denver. I don't know. What's your experience with Netherland? Hippies. A town full of hippies. I went to a pizza shop there, and I swear to God, me and my buddy from Denver were the only two males who did not have a ponytail. 
It was uh, <laughs> it, it was hippies and uh, just is it near and, Boulder? Uh, it's, it's not that far, and they've got uh, they, they keep a frozen dead guy. <laughs> they got a frozen dead guy. What Look do you mean up. they got a frozen dead guy? Yeah, they got a guy who was frozen in ice, and they what they just keep him like like is he a, a tourist attraction? Yeah, that's why you go to you don't go to Netherlands for the the charming the pizza. It's, it's a it's a it's a nice town to be honest. They have a frozen dead guy day festival. Yeah, but what town doesn't have Frozen Dead Guy Day Festival, right? There's one probably in every small town across the country. Loosely celebrate the cryopreservation of Breedle Morstol is his name. Is that like an yeah. anagram for Walt Disney? Breedle was returned in dry ice to the town of Netherland. Yeah, he, he cryogenically frozen in a shack behind their unfinished house. Makes sense. Makes sense. The, the, the pizza was good. It, it, you know, it, it's a cute town, a real beautiful area. So, they're just, so how is they're, the Frozen Dead Guy? Let's celebrate it. And any excuse to smoke some weed in Denver. Would they figure out James Cogan is from Netherland? Well, he worked at like a, as like a marketing firm. Like he kind of drew stuff. Advertising stuff. agency. Advertising. Yeah, he, he drew ads. You know, he, was, he wasn't talented enough to be like a painter. Or he was talented enough to, to do ads and apparently was pretty good at it. Right. So the, the crazy part of the case comes here is that he was at work the day he disappeared, the day he shows up in Maine, which if you look at the timeline is pretty crazy to like try to figure out he goes to work in the morning and leaves work he's seen at work has to leave at 10 30 he leaves 10 30 he leaves somehow has to get to an airport or a private airstrip fly all the way to maine factor in the t- uh, the time in- the time zones the change in time due to time zones gets there has to reach a ferry that only leaves at what 6 p.m is the last ferry to right. look at island uh he has to get to that ferry by 6 p.m after having left at 10.30 a.m. in Denver and get to the island in time to Eat die. some steak. Yeah, to die. <laughs> uh, to do whatever he does, to lose his jacket, eat some steak, collect Russian coins. It, yeah, he eats out, out of a beach. restaurant and uh, a waitress recalls him. But doesn't recall if he's got the suit jacket or not. Jacket on or not, just doesn't. And always the question is, where's the rest of where that steak came from? Did he just, was he saving that piece in his mouth and choked on it? Did a bird take the rest of whatever he was eating? Did somebody put it down there to make it look like that's what he choked on? The questions of where the rest of the steak pervade. Vince pieces it all, all together. He finds out that he, he that Colgan was married, had a wife and a child. Oh, yeah. And uh, she, But she could not collect the insurance money because nobody you know, had reported them, had found the body. So the right. insurance company was refusing to pay. She had to sell the house and move in with her, like, with her folks, I believe. Vince's efforts led to her getting her insurance money, at least in some closure on what happened to her husband, though she has no clue why or how. How do we know, you know, he didn't run out on her and she murdered him? Like, you never know. Maybe she did this for the insurance money. Yeah, uh, I don't think she was in uh, Maine. How do we know? We don't know. We don't Maybe know. she was on that plane. Maybe she was on that ferry. Maybe she was with them. She keeps a, pe- a little piece of steak in her pocket to shove down his throat. Just waiting for the, the, the right time. Yeah. Maybe your mom was behind the time I had to go to the hospital uh, and get that, that chunk you of see? meat stuck in my, in my esophagus. How it happens, you see? Yeah. I can see it. No, that's pretty much it for the story. There's not like, it's pretty short, pretty quick. And I know you're probably, people are going to like, okay, well, what do you mean? That's it. Like, that's it. All right. Thank you for listening to that limited sample of our sister series, Troubled with Extra Syrup. Once again, it's on Patreon. If you want to hear the rest of that episode, you can head over there. Uh, Join us for $3 a month. It's uh, the middle tier. $5 if you want director's cuts, but that's where the rest of those episodes will be. If you want to hear the rest of 
all of these awesome extra episodes. Thank you for listening. Check you out next time. No fuck. Check you out next time. Check you out. Hey, I don't know where that came from? How you? How you doing? <laughs> well, you'll be listening to us hopefully in a week. Please keep listening to us. <laughs> <laughs>